are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday. Special guest for today's show, Coach Gibson Piper. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Half Court Hoops. It's also the high school coach of Trey Murphy, the third, your newest Pelican. So what a great way to kind of end the week. Coach, thanks for taking the time today to hop on with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I was saying before we started recording, I love the shirt and I saw the pictures of you and Trey on draft night. Just so excited for him. I've seen the video like you can see him just kind of like collapse in emotion when when his name was announced. What was it like being there and just seeing this kid, you know, realizing his dream? Yeah, it was a really special moment. Um, I, I never really have been around anything like that just because, you know, I've had such a personal relationship with him, um, you know, coaching him in high school. But just to have everybody be there, be so like overwhelmingly excited for that moment. It was just it was a truly joyous occasion. And it was just so much fun to see uh, all his hard work and all his his passion, you know, come to fruition. Yeah, that's that seems like one of the biggest things about him, right? Like the the dude works in incredibly hard and I'm sure you can share, you know, firsthand seeing all of that with him. And I know you did some of the pre-draft workouts with him as well. Yeah. I, um, he, he has so many stories that I could talk about just his, his work ethic and his passion. Cause, um, you know, you probably heard his background by now, but he wasn't, you know, a crazy talented kid to start, you know, and he wasn't six foot nine. Like he started off when I first met him, he was six to 155 pounds. I mean, like, just you're talking about an underdog story because he had to work for everything. And that's been his mm -hmm. mantra. His whole, I mean, he, even going from high school, he went to Rice and then he grew some more. Then he went to Virginia and now he's six, nine and, and the player we all know today. Um, and then, you know, he came back and we were able to get in the gym. And it was really cool because um, the school we were at is an academic school. Like it is the number one school in North Carolina for academics. So there's not like a lot of basketball talent that comes to that school, typically speaking. Right. Um, and so he, you know, he was able to work his way from that to, to, to gain all this stuff that he has now, but we were able to go back to training at that same school before he left for all his, you know, official pre-draft stuff. So you know, I would be able to work together before he left for all his stuff. And it was just cool to see like the moments that we were able to share in the gym together from five years ago till now and see the journey that he's been able to come on is, is, is really awesome. How does uh, having kind of one of those growth spurts and going from, you know, six, two to whatever to six, nine kind of change the way you train and the way he kind of plays? Cause for some guys, this happens like almost overnight, it seems right. Like they've been a guard for a long time and all of a sudden now you're, you know, you're playing in the front court and I would assume the training's different or kind of the preparation's different to a degree. Yeah. I mean, the training pretty much for me stays the same. Um, for in my, for my philosophy, uh, to an extent, I mean, you work on the fundamentals, you work on, on the right, basics right. and mastering those first. And then, uh, you know, you kind of figure it out and fine tune for, uh, you know, what you're looking for. So like with Trey, the biggest thing was 
how do we, you know, improve the weaknesses, but also focus on the strength, you know? So in shooting drills and maybe adding a little wrinkle at the beginning where you do a two ball handling drill with a weak hand pass and then go into your shot, you know, your reps, shot, shot and reps, whatever you do. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's still the same because he's going to be a guard in the league. Like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, he may play forward. He may play the four at times, but like, he's, he's a guard. Like he's, he's one of the best shooters in the gym when he walks through the door. So you want to make sure you have those guard skills. And I mean, they're not going to post them up next year. So like, you got to know, right, right, of course, <laughs> you know, the strengths so you know, okay, well, look, we're just going to work on the same stuff. But when we first started, it was the ultimate footwork, like the most basic stuff you can do. But the biggest thing was IQ, you know, because, you know, he was six, two, you know, 155 pounds, best shooter in the gym wherever he went. But it's like, you're not going to go and, and, you know, out athlete, these guys you are not going to out, you know, size them. So where's the advantage It's the IQ it's, it's, it's working on, you know, the tricks and the little things that you have to do to improve. Cause you don't have the physical attributes yet. Gotcha. And, and he's grown a lot of those too, though. And so, you know, by just kind of increasing in size, but you know, it kind of fits the MO of what the Pelicans really wanted to add. And one of the things they said more so, you know, David Griffin laid out three things at the end of this past season in his media availability, we said, we want to add basketball IQ. And that was the first thing he said before shooting, which, you know, Trey Murphy kind of adds that too, we can say pretty safely. Um, but that basketball IQ part is so important when, you know, you look at a team last year, for this Pelican squad that looked out of sorts at times was making these kind of mistakes, adding that high basketball IQ guy to the roster and also a guy that's willing to put that time into the gym. I think that was somewhat lacking at times from this roster and a guy who can kind of be in there, you know, when, when teammates go in and see he's, you know, fir- first one in last out, what have you, that kind of builds that culture that they're looking to try and achieve here. I think. Yeah, I agree completely. And you know, the biggest thing is, you know, the IQ, you can teach it, but you really have to work at it. And so, you know, like, like these NBA coaches and guys, they, they, they're so smart and they, they work with these guys, but it just takes time. And if you can master it when, you know, the younger you are, the better off you'll be, you know, in four or five years. Um, and, and Trey is very mature and very smart, um, for, for his age. Like he's one of the most accomplished young men that I've ever seen and coached and everybody that on any recruiting trip, anywhere you go, anytime you talk to him, it's just people are blown away by, um, you know, his maturity and just his focus and his clarity. It's just it's truly special to have that in combination with the work ethic. Look, and I think it's why the Pelicans had him so high on their draft board. He was one of the first guys, I believe, that they brought in for a workout and someone they very clearly keyed in early on. And Trajan Langdon, the GM, said in his post-draft uh, media availability, they had him higher on their board than 17. And I think if you know they stayed at 10, they really would have considered drafting him that high. I think that's how highly they thought of him. Did you hear any of the stories or how the meeting went from the pre-draft availability and all of that? Um, no, I didn't talk to him anything about that specifically, but I knew like the Pelicans called me uh, probably five or six months ago, like really before anybody oh, really knew about him. Um, one of their scouts uh, contacted me and we talked about him uh, like early, early on before anybody else even really was talking about him being even, even a first round pick. Like they were thinking second round at that time. Um, and gotcha. so I knew as soon as the trade happened from 10 to 17, I was like, he's going to Pelicans. Like I just I it's- knew it. It just it made so much sense. 
Yeah, no, I think we kind of all realized who they were targeting at that point that they could trade down, get the guy that they really wanted that like they truly coveted him. I think they they see him as a guy that can contribute maybe a little bit sooner than taking one of, say, you know, one of the freshmen at that time there. You know, in the next segment coming up here, because we've got to hit a quick break, let's talk about how you see him kind of adapting to the NBA and what he's going to be able to excel at right away coming up here next on Locked On Pelicans. Okay, so coming back here with Coach Gibson Piper at Half Court Hoops on Twitter. And please check out his YouTube page if you just want to get smarter about basketball in general. So we're talking Trey Murphy. You know, you you coached him. You've worked with him a lot. You, you've probably seen more of him than almost anyone else, maybe other than the Pelicans, I guess, given what we just talked about there. You know, how do you see him translating to the NBA and where do you see him excelling, you know, right off of the bat is this is a Pelicans team that's, going to want to be competitive immediately next year to try and get back into the playoffs. Yeah, the, the biggest thing is shooting. I mean, like, obviously, anybody who's doing any, any draft research, he's one of, if not the best shooter in the draft class. Um, and, and it's just that gets you on the floor. I think he even said in an interview that you know, gets you on the floor. Um, and then he, can he defend and what positions is going to be able to defend right away um, from his size and, and his mobility aspect? I mean, he can defend one through three pretty easily. The physical post up play aspect of the force will we'll get, you know, maybe maybe get him if you get a big. But the NBA doesn't play that game right now. So, like, you're not too concerned about them trying to post up anybody, you know, right now, if, if, and I mean, unless you're Kevin Durant, which in that case, what are you gonna do anyways? It's, Kevin it's Durant, just good know? looking like no one can defend him, right? Like yeah. that's, it's totally okay. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, it's perfect. And so it's, it's just about learning the NBA game early. And, and the biggest thing is, uh, figuring out, you know, where your help comes from, going from the Virginia pack line to the NBA, you know, like we talked a little bit about that, you know, when, when we worked out and the differences of where the help will come from and things like that. Uh, but it's it's just more about shooting is going to keep him on the floor because, you know, you're a 40 percent three point shooter throughout all college. He's been one of the best shooters I've ever seen. Six, nine. Like you just you don't teach that anywhere. Like it, there's not many six, nine guys walking in shooting 40 percent from three. So just he's going to be a, a great spot up shooter to start. Uh, I think you'll see him run some ball screens for Zion. Um, he knows he knows how to run a ball screen both with and without the ball. And and what I learned, I guess, and this may help insight into some of the pre-draft process stuff when you're going yeah. through this. What I learned, because I know Trey so intimately, is I know and and most people know nothing about these prospects we're evaluating besides what we're seeing on film or what information's kind of given to us. Like these teams know everything about all these people. They know all this stuff, but even then they're probably working with 60 to 70% of the true information, right? Cause everybody's putting their best foot mm -hmm. forward. They're showing who they really are, you know, in, in terms of what they want you to see and who they really are is completely different necessarily because I like a lot, a lot of knocks on Trey was like self-creation stuff. And it's like, if you go to a Virginia practice, like he was telling me stories about Jay Huff shot like a step back pull up in one of their practices and like the gym went completely silent and the coaching staff like chewed him out for it. Like that's just not Virginia basketball. It's not their way. It's not what right. they do. So like he doesn't take step backs. He doesn't take, you know, his his self creation one on one game because that's what Virginia just doesn't do that. That's what I mean. They have their system. That's what they do. And for the it's, most it's, part, it's it's. It's also why like his scoring at times might have looked a little bit low because of that offense that they yeah. ran. And it's it's not the most modern thing we've ever seen necessarily. But yeah, it didn't put him in a position for it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And, and he was used as a screener, right? Like he was mm -hmm. in their in their mover blocker system and even in some of their other stuff they run. He's a screener. 
right? So they used him as a pick and pop threat, as a screener setting, you know, setting the screens, which is great because now he knows how to set screens and, and make those reads too, because he was never really used that way prior to Virginia. Um, but what like what you see is <clears throat> if you just looked at like if you pulled up a synergy profile of a player, that doesn't tell us pretty much anything we're going to know what they are at the next level because they're playing what their college coach wants them to play. And he's trying to win at all costs to save his job, primarily number one, right. and then also win games number two. So, uh, you know, you, you'll see them in, in what, what, what I realize is all these draft prospects, we know half the information. Just like me, a guy watching film knows half of the information we're given. We're seeing what they're doing on film with no instruction, no background, no situational scenarios. Like we don't know what the coaches were telling them. So we just don't know. And that's why these mock drafts and all the boards get wonky because we just don't know most of that information. Yeah, no, and you saw that this year where I think mock drafts went out the window after the fourth <laughs> overall pick. After, after Barnes and Giddy went, it was, it was gone. <laughs> it's a little bit different. We we had a show with Chad Ford, you know, who's one of the best at these mock drafts and doing all of that. He got something like six of the picks exactly right in the first round, and that was it. And that felt like high this year think, with how yeah, I think he was the highest crazy one. it was. <laughs> Yeah, it's like one of them. Although I think, you know, we could tell as we were saying, it seemed like Trey Murphy to the Pelicans at 17 seemed to make a lot of sense. You know, you talk about the the lack of self-creation because he didn't have to do that. And it's something maybe he can learn and do at the NBA level. He, But he also doesn't need to, right? He's coming to a team with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. As you said, the shooting's going to keep him on, on the floor. If he knocks down his threes when point Zion is rolling – that's a huge upgrade for New Orleans. We we mentioned they they really wanted to add basketball IQ, but look, they needed so much more shooting on of this team. And as you said, he he was one of, if not the best shooter in the draft. And to get him at 17 with his release, which is incredibly quick, very consistent every single time. He what they need him to be out there on the court to do is make teams pay. Other players on the Pelicans got shots when Zion would get double, triple, quadruple teamed at the rim to try and wall him off. He kicks it out, and the Pelicans weren't converting, and it just didn't make teams pay. If Trey Murphy can make teams pay, there's a valuable role for him, especially in the regular season, I think. Yeah, and, and that's the biggest thing is just him being able to just be a threat even though like like teams may not necessarily recognize it right away like he won't be at the top of the sky right. reports and, and things like that but all of a sudden he makes one and and in in your head as a defender you're going i i gotta shade towards him just one more step you know i can't let him get two in a row like the coaching staff will, will probably say hey don't let him get hot you know don't let him get two or three in a row maybe they can make him beat us early on yeah sure but eventually like you'll see a game probably where he's gonna hit five or six threes in the first half because teams are going to be sagging so much on Zion and really trying to clog that paint mm -hmm. up. And even against Ingram too, you know, when, when you're running a ball screen, bringing in an extra shooter just spaces that floor that much more. Now that's all these NBA guys need. They, they just need an extra foot or two, feet or two. Like they don't need anything crazy to create a, a, you know, a lot of space. So, and it's actually, we watched, a, a, I sent him a bunch of Brandon Ingram tape about like five or six months ago too, just to study for him to get better. <laughs> so it's like perfect. So mm -hmm. he's watched Brandon Ingram pick and roll film for the last six months. <laughs>
No, I love hearing that. And also, it seemed like he was genuinely excited to be drafted by New Orleans and to end up here. And for a franchise that hasn't always had players want to be here necessarily, it's nice to get a guy that looked genuinely excited in that moment. And that's something that's just going to like completely endear him to fans here in the Crescent City. But beyond the shooting, and you mentioned this, right? He can guard one through three. Defense is an area that New Orleans really needs to step up their game. And we saw in the playoffs too, right? Guys that are just shooters that don't have it on the defensive side of the ball it's tough to give them minutes at times like Luke Kennard couldn't get on the court in some of those series um Bryn Forbes for the Bucks really couldn't get onto the court much um for significant minutes but he has that right like looking at a lot of the film of him the way he navigates screens on the defensive side of the ball I thought was pretty impressive and New Orleans doesn't have a guy that can do that and you see him kind of work almost to shut down like the opponent's best shooters at times because he can navigate all of those ways they're trying to spring those guys open it seemed like yeah and and one of the things that even if he doesn't get it right away because nba game you know it's definitely gonna be different and stuff you know just load the learning process of it he -hmm. has length that can make up for some mistakes and i think that's really important like his seven foot wingspan with a basketball iq like you can make up for if you're in the wrong spot for a second like you you have we see that with team usa right now like team usa makes some pretty bad mistakes on defense just playing with a new group but they have levine and tatum and and bam and guys arms are everywhere like kd's arms are just everywhere because they have that length and that athleticism makes up for a lot of those mistakes so i think combined basketball iq with length is going to keep him engaged on the defensive end from the start and then once he starts figuring out as as time comes comes along because all rookies and I go through a bunch look, of weird stuff. Look, all it time, takes you know? them a while to kind of acclimate. Yeah. It takes rookies a long time, you know, a year, year or two to just kind of get get it on the defensive side of the ball, right? It's a very different kind of game. And if he struggles on that side of the ball, it's why I don't really knock Zion a ton on the defensive side of the ball because, yeah, it's it's tough to get it and to kind of make that leap. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it, it'll come with time, but I think, you know, the, the length that doesn't will make up for a lot of those mistakes and a lot of those uh, scenarios where maybe he's in the wrong spot, but he can, you know, recover and, and you know, contest or, you know, get back. Yeah, no, and, and I think the Pelicans think he he projects on that side of the ball very, very highly, and that's an area that they're really trying to target. So continuing the conversation here with Coach Gibson Piper at Half Court Hoops, we're going to get into a little bit more about Trey Murphy the third, your newest Pelican. But before we do that, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by Built Bar. You know that Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar out there, and they have so many delicious flavors. There's something for everyone. It's basically a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I love the mint brownie, the double chocolate, the salted caramel that has this consistency that's not chalky, it's not dry. It's like nothing you've ever had. And if you haven't tried all of the flavors, you can get a mix box where you're going to get two of each of the nine different flavors. And look, they're good for you. Not only are they the best tasting, but they're they're better for you than most other protein bars out there on the market. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories between 130 and 180, so you're not wasting all that cardio you just did. Only four to five grams sugar, only four to five grams net carbs. They're all amazing. They're all tasty. And Built Bar is the official protein bar of the the U.S. track and field team. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED15 over at built.com. All right, continuing the conversation here with at Half Court Hoops, Coach Gibson Piper. Uh, so so first, tell everyone about the YouTube channel that you use because it's if you want to learn more about the X's and O's of basketball, you know, there's only so much I can do here. But like YouTube videos where you're kind of breaking down the plays is such a huge resource for people out there. 
Well, thank you. First of all, that's, uh, that's kind <laughs> of you to say. Um, yeah, basically, you know, I started probably 2013 um, as a young coach and was kind of lurking for a resource to learn X's and O's um, and just watch like video breakdowns and, and, and more of not for entertainment purposes, more for like, here's why this happened. Here's what coaches expect. Here's, you know, what's going on behind the scenes and some terms and just, just improving as a coach. Um, that's about kind of my whole journey is how do I get better every day as a coach? You know? And so, I, I found a couple of, of that I liked, but not nothing really that I was able to watch consistently. Like they, they weren't like putting out great content all the time or breaking it down or telling you why it happened. And so I was like, well, I'll just start my own. Like that's, I'll just figure it out. And so I started it, you know, and, and had no idea what I was doing to start. Um, still figuring out some things. I've uh, <laughs> basically, I'm, I've gone to more long form uh, breakdowns where I like to do like hour and a half long breakdowns on the Bucks offense or, you know, whatever we're, we're looking at. Um, and those take a lot of time, but it's a lot of fun because I get to learn a lot more in depth about these teams. And really like I knew everything the Suns and Bucks were going to do in the finals. Like I, there wasn't anything that surprised me because I'd covered them so in depth. Uh, so just basically trying to shine a light on the X's and O's. Um, and I have a, a co coach's cut newsletter that goes out with it through email. So you get more in depth because YouTube blocks if you put too much stuff in it that they block the video mm -hmm. which is just it's just great it's just a lot of fun to navigate that process um <laughs> and so uh some stuff that i can't always put in there i'll put in the coach's cut you know for paid subscribers or do like an extra breakdown i do a lot of more uh in-depth stuff on there that's easier to to i guess get out there than it is to do like a full youtube video on it but yeah it's basically just uh trying to take the x's and o's and digest them of what a coach sees and and then go from there. Um, and, you know, I tried and I can't do anything with the Olympics right now because they hate fun and they'll block and DMCA your content as soon as you put it out. So there you go. And also made it pretty hard just to watch in general. Too, oh, my gosh. It... <laughs> oh, I'm not going to get started on that. It's an, I just have two bookmarks and that's all I needed. And I just kept it at that. But it's just for basketball. If you're looking for gymnastics, like my wife's watching on YouTube TV and we're like, all right, we'll go through these 30 links and try to figure out when it starts. It's just it's a nightmare. No, it hasn't been been easy to be able to to track all of that, and it's a shame because they've been re it's been really fun to watch so far. Um, so continuing to talk about that Trey Murphy here in New Orleans, having worked with him, you know he's he'll, he hasn't been officially announced on the summer league team, but as soon as all of these trades go through, we'll we'll see that announced and he'll get in there, and hopefully this doesn't delay any time that he's going to get the Pelicans having a game on Monday. You know when when you start to look at these guys making their first appearances in summer league, is there anything you're looking for him to? Try and do is there anything you want to kind of see or any expectations that you have uh no i'm probably the <laughs> that's a good least, way to describe it though yeah i'm just the least interested in summer league as a as just watch it and enjoy it right like you want to see you want to you know see glimpses see flashes and i mean but like I, even even the first season you don't really worry too much about because weird things like look at trey young like everybody crushed Trey Young the first season, like summer league. Remember he like airballed and yeah. had Ofer. like they crushed him. Worst pick ever, you know, and it's just like it takes time to figure it out, man. Like it just it's just it's not an easy process. It's it's everything's brand new. And so it's just, you know, you, you want to look for is he having fun? That's all I really look for to start. Like, that's is, a good way is, to, is he enjoying that's a good himself? Way to describe it? Yeah. And, and then, you know, and then you just, you just see if he's smiling on the court, I know that, that we're good. And, uh, and, and he puts a lot of pressure on himself and his, his dad and his mom both do as well. Um, so I'm like the fun guy where I get to come in and, and kind of make fun of him a little bit and have, have, have a good laugh and, you know, give him advice, but pretty much just enjoy the moment in the process. Cause honestly, like, do you remember who won last year's summer league? 
No, no clue. Yeah, me neither. So I, you know, that kind of that kind of just explains the seriousness of it for me, at least. I'm sure some people put a stock in it. No, I I appreciate that because you would not believe the amount of people I get like in my mentions on Twitter being like, oh, it's huge when these guys get a full summer league, and I'm like, it's nice. I don't know if it's necessarily like huge for their development. Like everyone's excited to see Kyra Lewis Jr. in it, and I'm like, I don't think it's going to matter that much. Like if you're a top twenty pick here and you struggle in summer league, it doesn't mean you're going to be out of the league, and you sh- you know you should be good. But also, it's just everyone's kind of different, and sometimes people take a little bit to adjust. And I like your attitude of like, are they having fun out there? Is he enjoying playing basketball? Is he kind of taking to his teammates, enjoying this whole experience? You know, that's important. You don't want to be miserable out there on the court. Yeah. And, and I mean, ultimately for me, it's just like, it's, it's a good way to get your feet wet. You know, you get, you get used to some of the teammates you may be playing with. You get used to is this year, Willie Green coaching it. Right. So you get used to, yeah, he's going to be coaching the voice. Thing. Yep. Yeah. So you get, that's not, not normal necessarily. Um, you get used mm-hmm. to maybe the head coach's voice, you know, you'll, you'll get maybe a better relationship with him, um, some team bonding stuff and, and you take away the positives and, and hopefully don't focus on the negatives. But I mean, I also think when you're in a situation, I'm a Cavs fan, right? So like, Okay. When, when you're not very good at basketball and your team isn't very good at basketball every year, you put more stock into things that maybe wouldn't yeah. matter to the Warriors or the Lakers fans as much, right? Oh, trust so, me. Look at yeah. the Pelicans in free agency and everyone being like, oh, we've got to make, you know, it was like, we need Norm Powell on this team. And it's, like, it's a nice player, but like, that's not going to make or break a season probably. And if we're doing that, things are not going well here in New Orleans. So yeah, I totally right. get that. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's just more about the the pressure that you put on yourself. I think as a fan, where like you just have not a lot else to cling to at the time, so you're just kind of like looking mm-hmm. for any any sort of uh, encouraging sign or even something to talk about. Be like, maybe Kyra Lewis has a great look at him. He had a great summer league. Oh my gosh! Like you know, so it's just you, you need, get your you own head a little to kind bit. of build the hope up. Yeah, yeah, look, and that's fair. That's this fine. is just. Yeah, this is for all my listeners when I don't care too much about summer league performances <laughs> to not get mad at me and say I'm not watching or anything like that. I got someone backing me up on this here. Oh, yeah. I'll be, uh, I'll right I'll now. Because <laughs> there we go. You know, at two o'clock on Monday, I'm, I'm going to be working instead of watching the game. And I'm not going to like take time off <laughs> for, yeah, for no. all of that. Um, but going back to Trey, so do you. So no expectations on someone. Do you have any for him maybe for the regular season and, you know, his first couple, you know, the first period of time? I get it. We don't want to set expectations too high and, and set him up for failure. But what what are you looking for him to either work on to develop over time? And I know a lot of that's going to come from the Pelicans coaching staff in the front office too. But if you were to look at his game right now, what are some of the areas you'd like to see him kind of slowly start to improve upon and really work upon over, say, the next couple of seasons? Yeah, I think the the main thing is just decision making with the ball, because um, like you're gonna have like the to how I look at it is first season shooter like spot up shooter sniper can't help you know maybe maybe ball screener good IQ offensive player very solid balanced defensive player so that's kind of like my where I what we all expect right that's what he's supposed to come in as. Mm-hmm. and then going forward what's your decision-making process after you get the ball or you're in the playoffs, all right, round one against the Lakers, what, what's your decision-making process when you can't get your shot right away? You know, like, are you attacking the closeout? And then what's your decision-making process after that? So just the simple things of, you know, you're not expecting anything crazy. Like you're not going to expect him to be taking guys one-on-one ISO making step back. Like, no. That's just not going to be feasible. So it's just, all right, can we improve the ball handling? Can we attack closeouts? Can we, you know, maybe make a play in the decision-making process on a drive? And then defensively, like, are we wreaking havoc 
as a defender? You know, are, are we slowly improving in year two and three where it's like on the weak side help, like, you know, guys aren't going to even try you because they know you'll be in the right position. You'll be able to contain contest and then close out. And, and you're always in the right position. You're communicating on defense. You're starting more of a, like a leadership role in terms of like your, your on court, you know, play and your off court demonstration, you know, you're in the community, you're making an impact, which is all the things I yeah. expect him to do. But that's kind of what I would see those incremental progress bars where I just check, okay, he, he attacked the closeout. He made the wrong decision last game on this pull-up. Maybe next game he goes all the way to the rim. He baseline drifts it. You know, whatever the, the next read or decision process is, is that an incremental improvement? Like you look at LaMelo Ball. I'm doing a lot of study on him right now. From mm-hmm. his first game of the season till the last game of the season, I did with John Morant. And you just look at, you know, it's a slow grind. It's a slow process to where you're just slowly getting better. It's going to be from game one to game 20, you make that read adjustment. It takes you 20 games, you know, because the, that scenario may not come up again. So it's just a slow process of is is everything developing on plan? You know, are we making the right decisions? Is is the coaching staff, are you doing what the coaching staff wants you to do? You know, you're not going to you know be out of your comfort zone, just things like that, where, you know, when, when people see you open, are they going to be willing to pass you the ball? Like, that's a big part of it. Like, so like, that's, some a, big, that's a good you, thing, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and they're like, I'm not giving it to him. I'm not getting it back. You know, like that's, that's, part of being a teammate is part of being a, yeah. you know a, a, a great player is is i want him to have the ball in this scenario like when brandon ingrams gets trapped late in the game and and he's open in the corner is is the ball going to him like do they have that trust yet and when will that come you know things like that where you know it may yeah. not it may not be it may not be 15 points a night on a box score but it's going to be things that really matter to winning like that's just those just matter no, and that and that's what the Pelicans want, and I know Pelicans fans want too, because I think everyone's desperate to get this team back into the playoffs and to see them have some success um, and building around Zion Bi, and now you know Trey Murphy, who's going to be part of this core. And I know again the Pelicans been so high on him, everyone's really excited. Uh, so, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to to chat about him with me today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Of course. And everyone, please go follow him on Twitter. It's at Half Court Hoops. And that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans this week of Locked on Pelicans. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all on Monday.